the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, and I'm also live over on Periscope. Uh, you can follow me at Eagle Ed Martin and, of course, ProAmericaReport.com. I hope you're signed up for The Daily Wink, the email that goes out each morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Time, 5 a.m. Pacific Time, and uh, we have The Daily Wink available. It's what you need to know, what you need to know for those of my Periscope folks out there that are with me. Uh, they get this every day, twice a day, 9.45 East Coast time and 2 o'clock East Coast time. I jump on Periscope and we cover what you need to know. This is a really good one here. I have not seen this analysis. I know I'm right and you're going to enjoy this. And so uh, I'm glad for the listeners as also for those on Periscope. Yesterday's impeachment vote, which I told you was political theater, it's political theater. It's political theater of the worst kind. Uh, you know, there's no nothing good about what we saw uh, that happened there. You know, in other words, it's Nancy Pelosi being politically manipulative. Um, it's people that just want to incite anger and kind of um, uh, rub salt in the wounds of people that voted for President Trump. In fact, I, I did hear someone say that the impeachment process is going to incite voters and that they should be impeached, Nancy Pelosi should be impeached for inciting voters, if you see what's going on here. If if the standard that Donald Trump is supposed to have known that his concerns about the election would lead to violence and he was inciting violence, then the standard is uh, dramatic and has to shift right along with uh, everybody uh, with uh, everybody impeaching. So, But here's what you need to know. This is the big what you need to know for today. Watch what happened. For about five days, all of the media, including lots of Republicans that hated Trump, the Never Trumpers, the National Review, all those groups, they they were in a concerted effort to say that if you didn't condemn this president for his speech and for his concern about the election, then you too you also were a part of the uh, of the riot and the insurrection. You must be a bad person. You must also be uh, treasonous and traitor and all that because you will not denounce the president. That's what they did for five or six days. And then they went and impeached. And in the impeachment speeches, they sounded mostly angry, mostly bitter. But along the way, a whole bunch of Republicans did interviews with the newspapers and the press and people like even Kevin McCarthy said, well, I, I think the president is responsible. And Mitch McConnell said, oh, he, he might, I might move for conviction, he said, Mitch McConnell said. And all these Republicans, right? And in the House, lots of people saying all sorts of things. And, and Liz Cheney, the number three House member, Republican, who comes from the Cheney family, but also from the sort of old Republican establishment, the, the neocons, the, the people who fought the Iraq war, Iraq war, who want to continue to do nation building, who fought the president at pulling us out of wars. That's the wing she represents. Kevin McCarthy make a noise that he didn't, the president did the wrong thing, all this stuff. When they get to the vote 
on this absolutely politicized, horrendously politicized uh, vote. Do you know what happened? 190 plus Republicans voted against impeachment. And only 10 Republicans, Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger, voted for this president's impeachment on what's clearly trumped up charges, clearly a political hack job, clearly uh, political grandstanding, clearly Nancy Pelosi making making, you know, sure everybody knows she's in charge, not Joe Biden, because this is overshadowing Joe Biden. It's going to overshadow the beginning of Joe Biden's presidency. But here's what you need to know. 10 Republicans, the 10 Republicans that voted for impeachment, they are the death rattle of the Republican establishment. Because if the Republican establishment, the Romneys of the world and the Jeb Bushes of the world and all those people had power to cover the party, to rule the party, to influence the party, they would have gotten more than 10 because of the hundred of the 190 plus that voted against impeachment they did it because they knew the republican party does not it won't stand for that conduct they won't stand for siding with pelosi's political stunt and so that's the great tell of that exp- of this terrible vote First of all, it makes it, it makes Nancy Pelosi look worse than it makes uh, uh, Donald Trump. But it's in terms of a tell for the Republican Party, the Republican Party, it's now clear, not just who the 10 weak ones are, but that's where the establishment is. It should give you an encouragement. If you believe that the Republican Party needed to become a party that was America first, that was against the swamp, that was against the establishment, all that stuff, all that junk that was in the past, if you want, if that's what you want the Republican Party to be, it's what I want. Fearless for the principles, willing to fight, willing to stand up to the media and Pelosi and big tech when they say, we must condemn President Trump, we must impeach him. If that's the party you want, yesterday was a great day. That impeachment vote is a great sign. The sign is that the direction of this party is towards we the people and our energy for standing up for the principles and standing up for the positions and standing up for each other. And history will reflect that the 10 Republicans in the House that voted for the impeachment led by Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger, he's been he's been a um, he's been a uh, uh, not just a moderate. He's been an anti-Trump guy for years, in part because I think he's in Illinois. That's where he's from. And he needs to try to prove his uh, bona fides there. Also, I just think he's more like Liz Cheney, that wing of the party. But, you know, you notice Dan Crenshaw, who did not vote for impeachment, the congressman of Texas, he came out to defend Liz Cheney. Didn't go well. Didn't didn't go well at all. Did not go well at all. So uh, it's uh, that is a big moment for the Republican Party. You should be excited about that. You should be energized about that. You should be clear. You know, we have to band together and survive the onslaught that's uh, coming and undergo we're undergoing now. But and we need to get strength in our own uh, our own people and our own parties. But this is a good sign for the future of the Republican Party. You and I and others who want the party to become what the president, what President Trump directionally put us into, put us towards. You know, against the communist regime in China, not for free trade, not for free trade with uh, China and other nations that gut us, not for open borders, you know, not for regulations beyond belief, not for political correctness, not for the bureaucracy in D.C., all that stuff, not for the neocon wars all over the country, uh, all over the world and nation building all over the world. All that stuff has been a shift and we're on the move. We're on the move. I mean, one of the things about losing power is it solidifies who you are and who you want to be. 
And our job is to make that clearer and clearer every day. Clear and clear every day. By the way, do not get carried away with people that are saying third parties, new parties. It doesn't work in America. And besides, why would we give up what we've already taken? We've already taken the ground of our party by Trump winning, by all these candidates. Elise Stefanik from New York, who's not particularly a firebrand conservative, she's been articulate. Harvard threw her off some board, and she's been articulate, saying, what are you doing? What are you talking about? Why are you doing this? Elise Stefanik, good for her. And and now get ready to fight back. Everybody get ready to fight back and stand strong and be strong. But this is a great day for the Republican Party to look at that and say, aha, we're in the right direction. So why would we give that up and go start our own party? Why would we give up the conservative party that we've reshaped in the last four years and go try to start another one? That's a trick. That's a trick to try to get us divided and get people off the page. Come on in and make this party better, the Republican Party, if that's what you want, or go to the Democrat Party if that's what you think, if you're into the, you know, the, 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 some of the crazy positions. All right, one last thing. I saw Glenn uh, on uh, Periscope. And for those of you that are watching, uh, that, excuse me, that are listening on the radio program, I'm also on Periscope uh, over at, at Eagle Ed Martin. In fact, I watch it. It's going in and out a little bit. So I'm sorry about that on the coverage. But one of our Periscope commenters said we got to bring the churches back. Later on in the program, I do the wink at the beginning, what you need to know. And then later in the program, at the very, the last segment, I do what you need to do. And what, what you need to do now, and Glenn uh, on Periscope referred to this, we need to get ourselves, among other things among other things we need to turn in prayer we need to turn our hearts and our minds in prayer in thanksgiving in repentance and and listen to the lord and what i'm inviting everybody to do and that's on the on listening on the radio and on periscope is each uh friday morning at 10 o'clock central time we have the phyllis schlafly eagles prayer for america it's a call in and you can call in and be a part of this prayer was very short 20 minutes Two to three people offer some prayers. We take prayer requests via email. We lift those requests up and we go on with our day. We need, what you need to do, I'll talk about it later in the program, is get your heart and mind turned in prayer, whether you're on uh, on uh, Periscope right now or listening on the radio. And that's my what we'll talk about in the window. All right, we got to take a break on the radio. When we come back, we got some great guests. We'll get to the window. Don't forget, go to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and tune in there to get all these uh, little uh, segments. They're all posted. Post it over there and sign up for the wink. All right, we'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. And, you know, this is such an important story uh, for us to cover. And I'm really grateful that we were able to get put this together because our next guest is Eric. I can't see if I get it right. Eric Keelunen. Eric Keelunen. And he is in Michigan. uh, And he is going to fill us in. It's a wonderful uh, name. Cafe Rosetta. It's up in Michigan. A, A woman there who's the owner of that who has been cracking down on uh, uh, the American dream, as it's put. And, and Eric is uh, advocating for her as they try the Michigan rules on this about a uh, business. Rosetta's Cafe, Cafe Rosetta is being uh, almost put out of business. So uh, welcome, Eric. How are you today? I'm doing well. Ed. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, so first, tell me the state of Michigan. Uh, and I, well, I misspoke there. Tell me how Michigan is handling, you know, the basically the state of play there. If you're a business and you run a, a restaurant like Cafe Rosetta, what are they doing to you? To walk us through what they've made the rules to be, then we'll talk about what's happening to uh, to uh, Cafe Rosetta and the ownership. 
I can do it in two words, arbitrary and capricious. Well, maybe destructive would be a third word. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's just been, you know, it was supposed to be two weeks back in November, and then it's another two weeks, it's another two weeks, and now they're telling us it's February, and, you know, we've just, we've just got a... We've got a tyrant for a for a governor that doesn't appear to listen, and that kind of got started in this. I don't know nine months ago after the first shutdown, when I, I you know I just saw it as a political game. I thought it was an attack on Trump. Frankly, that's what I think the virus is. I don't just leave it at that. I'm not going to get deep in that. But I got active politically. Spent quite a bit of my summer working on that, trying to wake people up, and uh, it was kind of quiet for a while. When Amy stood up, when they did shut down, they went to another shutdown on the restaurants, and everybody was supposed to shut down. And Amy decided she's not going to do it. And I know her. She's from my actually she's actually from my church, and and I, I never knew her real well, right? So I went over and said, "What's going on, Amy?" And she started telling me, and I spent three four hours with her, and I'm fine. I'm like, "Why are you doing this?" You know, what is it that's behind it? And she just looked at me. She said, "It's just non-negotiable," and she said it in a way that you know, just a sweet voice, and and I, I kind of I it caused me to pause. You know, you're talking to somebody else, and they say something that means something. And it's like, tell me what's behind that. And uh, she opened up, and she said, "Well, look, nine years ago, I was." Uh, single mother where I was on welfare with an abusive husband and I finally kicked him out and said no more and went out on her own with six kids and her brother helped her out they bought this little cafe and she spent the last nine years building this and rebuilding her life and and just you know I just I heard it I was just dumbfounded I didn't know anything about it right I don't pay that much attention and I just said Amy are you willing to speak out loud and she said yes I will I'm not shut down and I said okay I know how to help you and uh, so we got got the town active, and uh, I tell you what, there was a false alarm that went out that she was going to get arrested, and within 10 minutes, 150 people were standing outside the cafe. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah, we, yeah. Yeah, we, we, we live in a very small town. I don't know if you know Upper Peninsula of Michigan at all, but we live out kind of in the middle of Lake Superior on Archipelago, and it's beautiful. It's snowy. You know, we got snow nine months of the year, it seems like, but... Uh, yeah, we got a small town that everybody's supporting her. You know, you always got a few that don't, but largely the community has come out to support her. We started a, one of the community members decided to, you ever heard of Give, Send, Go? It's kind of like GoFundMe. Um, right, so right. Give, send, yeah, we have a Give, Send, Go campaign to uh, help her with illegal fees. We figure it's going to be 130000 depending on what the Whitmer, you know, what she does. We don't have a clue. But uh, we've been fighting our way through right. legal battles. We've raised about uh, 60, uh, we're about 50% of the way right now, 65,000. Uh, she's 35,000 into her bills right now already. So we're spending money. Uh, we got a PR team working with her. We managed, uh, we managed to hire uh, David Coleman. He, he represented Carl yeah. Bank, the American Barber. Yep, we yep. got him. We got him for representation. Uh, so if, if you're pushing this out across the country, I just encourage anybody that wants to help us up here. Uh, it's give, send, go. Look up Amy and Jake, and you'll find it. And anybody that can contribute to that cause, we got a warrior who's not backing down, and uh, she'll go as far as it takes. And so, that's our uh, we're talking. Yeah, we're talking with er- Eric Lunen, and again, I'll put up on social media all the information here, and, and just walking through it again. So, Michigan, the governor's been a pretty. Everybody's kind of seen it. She's been a bully, but in this case, what the, what she's what the owner, what uh, Amy is facing, this cafe. Rosetta, it, it, at least the way it's written up, $1,000 a day is the fine that they could impose. 
impose. Now, so first of all, how does that play out? Is that a low, a fine from your local county or is it a state? And then tell me about the sheriff who sounds like a hero at right now. Yeah, yeah, no, we, we, uh, we have a few weeks. So I want to straighten to those actually writing a letter to the editor when he called. And uh, so I have my local health department, the Western UP department, district health department, which uh, issued the original fine for a thousand dollars. And it was a thousand dollars a day. And then four days later, they came in, they issued another one for 4,000, but then they've quit. So that thousand dollars a day is a threat that was hung over the head. We finally learned that until they bring it in again, they can't backdate. So that's not a thousand dollars. So I'm just straightening it all this out right now. But bottom line is, they hung five thousand on her, and then the threat of more. And then uh, the state, uh, the state came in. MDHHS came in recently and issued a twenty-five hundred dollars fine, along with a uh, contempt of court through this uh, Wanda Stokes through Ingham County, which is eight eight hours away from us. Which I guess is technically legal, but uh, you know it's it's, it's just kind of asinine what's going on in their state right now. That should have been, in my opinion, a local jurisdiction issue about what's going on. So, what's going on there? Is is right now all in with attorney PR and everything. Where we spent thirty three thousand five hundred defendant Amy. We've got a local community that comes out. She's been as busy as she's ever been. We, hey, largely, she's the only bloody restaurant open. You can go sit in, and we don't wear masks. <laughs> we just right. we just enjoy lives. You know, come and get us. And then, as far as the sheriff goes, <laughs> actually, yeah. in in our county, uh, our county is Houghton County. And mm-hmm. uh, Brian has been Brian McLean has been very good about just you know live and let live, and uh, we've been local our, our grassroots effort. Uh, we're hammering the commissioners and everything to uh, just uh, we want a statement that just says you know live and let live. If you want to wear a mask and you don't feel comfortable going somewhere, don't go. It's up to you. But we're we're all grown up citizens here. We can do what we want. But if you picked up that one from Barraga County, Michigan, which is next door to Houghton County. They yeah. put together. They they put together a manifesto. Every last commissioner signed it. The sheriff signed it. The prosecuting attorney signed it. The entire county signed it. That says we will not enforce the mandates. And that was, you know, it was led by Joe Brogan, our sheriff down there. Largely, you know, we got this group that went from. We started having a meeting. It was forty people. Next meeting was eighty. Next meeting was one hundred and fifty. The last time it was two fifty, three hundred. And uh, mm-hmm. everybody's active. Everybody's active, and we're just, you know, hey, we we pound the phones every day. We call them every day. We remind them what they should be doing. And Joe Brogan stood up. So we got a manifesto out there that says, "Goodbye, Gretchen. We're not we're not dealing with you." And uh, the neat part, you know, is, uh, I tell you what, I, if we could encourage anything, this is going national. Just yeah. go out and do your work locally. Look, I can't do anything to fix Lansing. I don't think it's fixable, quite frankly. But I can certainly <laughs> work in my back. You know, I can work in my backyard. And that's what right. That's what I would just encourage everybody to go to your local sheriffs. You know, go to your local county. And when they say, well, it's the state's job. No, it's not the state's job. It's our job. Let's take care of ourselves. And it's, I think we yeah. have almost all yeah. the problems. Well, I mean, one of the things that, you know, a lot of us are frustrated that the president of the United States is not, you know, President Trump isn't serving another term. We, they say, what do you do? And I, I think you're exactly putting your finger on it. Uh, you know, we, we, we have a million ways to change our lives and make them a lot better if we get focused where, as you say, a sheriff, a sheriff can, or a, or a local county executive can change the ex- whole way everybody's living. By the way, we're talking with Erica Kilunen, who's uh, helping out with Cafe Rosetta. Up on social media, I'll put the, uh, the website, uh, to help out uh, Amy and her and her uh, her family and what she's building here. One last question for you, Eric. Where does it go right now? Is there a chance that the governor is going to try to do what? Drag everybody in state court, or is it a standoff where the governor's sort of going to leave you alone? What's your sense? I, uh, my, 
I, I, you know what? I'll know more tomorrow morning. So we're supposed to be getting a ruling. Amy was would have been on this call, except she's on a court case right now in a hearing. And uh, once she's done with that hearing, uh, we'll see what happens. I don't know if that ruling is going to come tonight, tomorrow, or in the next week or so. But we'll have a pretty good idea because uh, they actually, the attorney, David Coleman, found some, some law in the state of Michigan that made a lot of sense to me. But I am a partisan, so take it with a grain of salt. But I think she has a very good chance of this thing being shut down and ended. And if that happens, then they'll be able to do that across the state and push it. So the wow. judge might go in. I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty sure the judge yeah. is hand-selected by Whitmer. And, uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. All right, Eric, I got to run. Eric Keelunen, who's helping out at Cafe Rosetta up in Michigan as this uh, a business owner fights back. Hey, keep us in the loop on everything. We'll, we'll touch back. Uh, uh, we'll touch base with you again as you get more details, and we appreciate it. And I, I got to run. We'll take a quick break. I'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. As my listeners know, uh, Mr. Birkenfeld, uh, who are going to speak to, I love books and I love to get books from uh, different uh, publishers. And so I, about a month ago, I got this book. It's called Lucifer's Banker. And then underneath that title, it says Uncensored. And the author is Bradley C. Birkenfeld. Even more interesting, the forward is by Peter Schweitzer, the sort of unbelievable uh, journalist. And the book is extraordinary. It's about a man the author, uh, Bradley Birkenfeld, who was an insider of the highest level in Switzerland and was all about how these financial transactions, it reads like a, it reads like a uh, uh, movie. I'm going to ask him in a minute. So uh, it's, and again, the book is called uh, Lucifer's Banker. It's available. This new, a new publisher, Republic Book Publishing, has been published a couple years now, has unbelievable books and it's available anywhere you get books. So first of all, welcome, sir, to the program. How are you? Well, I'm doing great. Thanks. I'm glad to be on your show and um, and uh, tell this wonderful story to your audience. So, yeah, you, you, uh, you described in one of the uh, uh, press uh, covers of this as the as the sort of the uh, most extraordinary whistleblower in financial services history. Tell walk us through your career and where you got and wh- how you could be a whistleblower, what that means. Well, that's an interesting question. I started off uh, where I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts, as a banker at State Street Bank. I was a currency trader Mm -hmm. there for institutional pension plans. Then after about four years, I moved to Switzerland where I went to get my master's in finance. And after that, I was hired right out of school by Credit Suisse Private Banking to uh, work with the head of the uh, private bank there on high net worth clients. And I stayed with Credit Suisse for about two years. Um, my boss went to Singapore, so then I went with my next boss over to Barclays Bank in Geneva, Switzerland, and we were handling, again, right. offshore client money. And then after about a four-year career there, I was headhunted to UBS in Switzerland in Geneva, and I became the head of business development for North America, and I was a director of UBS uh, in 2001. And so the question I have for you is, when did you think, uh-oh, this has really gone off the rails? Like, And did you sort of hang in the industry for a period of time saying to yourself, what should I do? What should I do? When you when you read the book, it's kind of, it's, un, it's sort of unclear to me. Now, my readers will also tell you that I hop around books. That's one of my, fa- I read the first chapter and the last chapter and I hop around. So if I missed it, I apologize. But what did you, you know, was there a moment where you said, holy cow, I'm in the middle of this and there's, there's, I got to get, I got to get out or I got to talk about it. Well, the thing about this, Ed, for your audience, it's important to understand about Swiss private banking. In Geneva, Switzerland, it's a population of about 200,000 people, give or take. And in that 200,000, there's 150 banks. 
So this is just an enormous saturation of private banks. These banks are not handling Swiss money. They're handling foreigners' money. People are hiding their money from a spouse, a business partner, or the tax man, or doing nefarious things. So this just gives you a little bit of a context of what we're talking about. Then on top of that, what has happened was in Switzerland, it was legal to open a Swiss numbered account and never pay taxes. That was legal. That's Mm. the laws of Switzerland in their constitution. But the problem comes is when you start to go into other countries, such as America or into uh, Argentina or in South Africa or whatever, Germany and so forth, those laws do not condone this type of thing. And that's exactly Mm. what the Swiss were doing. So within Switzerland, we were not breaking the law. It's when the bank was forcing us to go outside Switzerland to our countries that we would cover for marketing, in my case, uh, the U.S. and Canada, then we would go out and market to existing and potential clients. And that's where the rub was. So I think it's important for people to understand there was legality, but then there was this gray area which was illegal, and that's where I then finally said to um, my compliance and legal department, uh, I need an answer to these memos on this, and they would never answer me, so I resigned from the bank. I was never fired. I resigned. Yeah. Is that is that and that is that is that one way to say? I've always wondered about this, and you know, I have, among other things, I'm a lawyer too. But I've watched the Swiss. The Swiss have always protected. They've they've created their laws in a way that if you're there when they first became sort of a haven, you had to go there. People had to fly there and stay there and do things. Go to a Swiss, go to a Swiss bank and and put you know open a safety deposit box or take out money. Now it's all done electronically. It, it, is the are the laws that protected the Swiss entities in their state, in the, you know, in the government, in the actual nation, are they obsolete because the world is not, you know, bound by those in terms of finances? Well, they're obsolete because of, of my historic whistleblowing, to be honest with you, and to be candid. <laughs> uh, when I came forward, really, quite, quite frankly, I transformed a trillion-dollar yeah. industry. And uh, what I, I did it because they were trying to, they were lying to my, me and my colleagues, the clients, and the shareholders. And I felt uh, betrayed. And so I checkmated them, and I came um, to the board of directors of UBS and Zurich and reported this, and they covered it up again. And then I went to my government, the U.S. government, the Department of Justice, which was the biggest mistake, uh, as we know how corrupt and uh, incompetent they are. Um, They failed to uncover this, and they were angry that I brought it to their attention to investigate this. So then I had to go to the IRS, the SEC, and the U.S. Senate and make my complaints with massive amounts of files, sworn testimony, and this was a a historic movement. This absolutely was a cataclysmic change in offshore banking. Is that we're talking again? We're talking with uh, Bradley C. Birkenfeld. His book is called Lucifer's Banker Uncensored, and uh, Republic uh, Republic Publishers is who published the book. Um, can I ask you how do you view the whistleblowers like Assange? You know, you you lived through the whistleblowing, but in a certain sense, you were you were clearly, uh, if I can say, a, a, a hero. It didn't mean it didn't cost you. You could have stayed in what you were doing and made a lot more money for a number of years. No one would have said anything, but you were able to say, and you were sort of everybody kind of agrees. Aha, he was on the right side. How do you view somebody like Assange? Well, I met with Julian Assange twice at the Ecuadorian embassy, and the reason why I met with him is very simple. Um, Hillary Clinton uh, should be in jail now, and I, I, I don't say that lightly. I say that very candidly, and I can prove it, and I'll debate anyone in the world at any time in any city if they would like to. And if you read my mm. book in great detail, you'll see that Hillary Clinton fixed the UBS investigation in which Barack Obama was accepting millions of dollars from Robert Wolf, the chairman of the UBS. The day in which I was mm-hmm. sentenced to jail in Florida, Barack Obama was playing golf with Robert Wolf and Martha's Vineyard. That's a fact. 
Mm-hmm. So right. what happened was we had 19,000 clients at UBS, $20 billion in assets. That was just the U.S. desk. Hillary Clinton got involved in an international criminal investigation. Why? Why not Treasury? Why not FBI or DOJ? Why Hillary Clinton? Because she was protecting mm-hmm. her constituents who had offshore accounts. One gentleman, a billionaire, Jack Manning from Boston, he was the number one contributor to Bill Clinton's campaign. Nothing happened to him. Hmm. Leonard Lauder, billionaire, he had an account there. Kevin Costner, he had an account. All these people were protected, Ed. Why? You don't pay your taxes, Ed, or your your audience doesn't pay their taxes. I guarantee you the IRS is on your front door. Right. So the problem is Hillary Clinton not only got only 4,700 names out of the 19,000 names, she didn't get the bank fined properly, and all the other officers of the bank were able to walk away free and clear, and the bank got a deferred prosecution agreement. Who was the one person, the one banker in the world who went to jail during the financial crisis? Me, Brad Birkenfeld. Hmm. Hmm. Is, so, when, back to my point, Assange, is is, is he, and, and I, by the way, I think it's very, very common, you can agree with me, I know, but I, I have a list, uh, as long as my arm, of other people that, if, if they whistleblow in the wrong direction, they end up being the ones that get in the hot seat, and I, I, I'm very sympathetic to it, especially if you read, um, you know, Sidney Powell's book, License to Lie, it's extraordinary how lawfare was used against businesses, but is Assange a hero then? Does Assange deserve a pardon? What's your sense on that? Well, I think he does, and I'll tell you why. When I met with him twice in the Ecuadorian embassy in London, I um, talked to him uh, at length, and he uh, told me many illegalities and nefarious acts committed by Hillary Clinton company. And the thing about it was he gave me a document, which is in my book and on my website, that proves that Hillary Clinton had a political solution to the UBS case. This was one of the Hmm. WikiLeaks files. It's a one-page document. Anyone can read it. You can go and see it. It's in my book and on my website, luciferspanker.com. The fact of the matter is, this document is so compelling because no one ever expected to see it. The fact that Julian Assange may have done some things that people didn't like, okay, that's fine. But the fact is, he exposed wrongdoing and illegalities, and nobody was held accountable. Why? Hmm. Because nobody likes the truth. Yeah. Well, it is fascinating. It's a fascinating book. I'll have you back on again. It's really uh, Bradley Birkenfeld. The book is called Lucifer's Banker, Uncensored. Fascinating story. I'm glad to hear, at least in your voice, and after all this, you've been doing well. By the way, has anybody done a, a movie? Will anybody touch this as a movie or no? Well, Hollywood won't touch it, and I had to self-publish the book on the first round, but um, I uh, I live over in Europe, and I'm going to have Italy and France do a co-production for the movie mm. because um, mm. I'm actually exposing all of Hollywood. They were paying these actors yeah. and actresses offshore, mm. so they don't want to touch it. All right. Them. I got to run. I'm going to run out of time. Thank you. We'll put it up on social media. Have you again uh, at Bradley Birkenfeld. The book is Lucifer's Banker. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Mrs. Schlafly was a courageous and articulate voice for traditional values and common sense for more than 70 years. Now, continuing that legacy, the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. The left wants to boil the entire immigration debate down to a two-dimensional picture of refugees seeking a better life. As the world's number one acceptor of legal immigrants, America is certainly leading the pack when it comes to giving people the chance at a better life. However, the left's two-dimensional facade ignores the many legitimate concerns with unfettered legal and illegal immigration. For instance, one cannot ignore the definitive link between an open southern border and the illegal drug trade. 
We all know that narcotics like cocaine destroy countless families and claim countless lives every year. When the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration states the undisputed fact that between 93% and 94% of Colombian cocaine comes to America via the Mexico-Central American corridor, why doesn't the left want to do something about that? We also have to talk about what open borders means for transnational gangs like MS-13. Not only are they bringing a lot of drugs, but they're also bringing violent crime with them. Why should we allow depraved killers to move unfettered from other nations into the United States? These are the criminals and rapists Donald Trump warned America about. Certainly, we have some native-born criminals and rapists already in America, but that's all the more reason not to take on more from somewhere else. Another threat with unfettered illegal immigration is the influx of potential terrorists. Like it or not, there are some nations around the globe where anti-American sentiment reaches extreme levels. Sometimes these extremists organize in dangerous ways. If someone wants to do harm to innocent Americans just because they hate the West, why would we give them an open door to walk through? Every foreigner seeking entry into our nation should be thoroughly vetted. As it stands today, America is extremely generous when it comes to giving a better life to those immigrants who go through our legal vetting process. We have every right and responsibility to protect ourselves from foreign drugs, violent gangs, and terrorists. We must secure our southern border immediately for the protection of every American, native and non-native alike. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Illegal immigration burdens our schools and social services and opens doors to criminals and terrorists. Outdated visa programs divert jobs from Americans. PhyllisSchlafly.com chronicles these outrageous unfair practices and provides answers. Go online to PhyllisSchlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Thank you for tuning in. And don't forget uh, to go ahead and visit uh, ProAmericaReport.com and get signed up for the daily email, the wink. Uh, but now it's time, if the wink opens the show, uh, what you need to know. Now it's what you need to do, what you need to do. And today's what you need to do is a spiritual one, spiritual one, okay? So I, on Periscope, where I hope you'll come by and see me, at Eagle Ed Martin on Periscope also, I had a, I did a Periscope, uh, I don't know when it was, Thursday morning, and I talked about uh, my friend Bill Hennessy. Bill Hennessy is a great guy. He is a uh, uh, a really thoughtful conservative who um, has had a very successful career in business. He was in the Navy. Um, he's got a great family. He's just a dynamic guy, and um, he has, in the last couple of years, been writing. Used to write about. Um, politics and Trump and other things. And he still does a little bit, but he tends to write about uh, faith related things and his family and his own growth. And it's very, it's extraordinary. And so um, he wrote uh, on Thursday, two posts. And uh, the first one was that we are supposed to pray for those who persecute us. And he basically said his instinct is that it's going to get really bad for this country. And there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be persecuting conservatives. And he was was calling for two things. One is forgiveness 
And the other is prayer uh, uh, for prayer for those who persecute you. So pray for your enemies, especially those who persecute you, etc. And the first post went up early in the morning and I saw it and I called him. Uh, excuse me. I texted him. I said, hey, that's a good post. I really appreciate that. You know, since the January 6th, since the election results were certified and we're moving the process of our great country towards having a new president, I've been really bummed out. I mean, I've been really bummed out. I really thought that the Constitution and our system of law would allow us to get to the bottom of what happened and that we would find out. My instinct was that there was fraud still is that there was fraud and that the election would be at least challenged specifically. We haven't had that. It's, it's been it's a real bummer. And look, I'm I'm uh, somebody I you know, I have plenty of um, things to worry about. I've got a pretty big profile as somebody who opposes the left. Um, so it's not like I don't have anything to worry about. But I've also just been bummed out because so many people worked so hard to try to get some more success. And I meet people who are truly devastated because, and I'm, I'm upset, but because they saw this president as someone who really fought for them for the first time. And they can't believe that it didn't work out uh, for a second term. So uh, I've been really torn by it. I've been torn by being sorry and sad and all, but also um, I've been looking for ways to get centered, right? So I've done some things different in my own life, spent a little bit more time in the mornings in prayer, a little bit more time in the mornings in some reading and reflection and just trying to change the equation a little bit to give myself a chance to catch my breath and to feel better. And I hope you have too. Well, Bill Hennessy's piece was great. And he challenged everybody to go. Uh, and and he, the great thing about a piece like this is that it challenged everybody. It didn't matter if you were someone who was like the message, it still made you act. If you didn't like the message, you reacted to that, right? I mean, it was, a, it was kind of like a, for a writer, it was kind of a win-win. So, and so later on in the in the day uh, on Thursday, he did text me and he said the re- response has been running four to one or five to one against what he said against forgiveness and prayer for those who persecute you. And so he did another entry, another blog entry, which is equally as good. So my encouragement to you is to go to uh, Bill Hennessy's uh, blog and check it out. And uh, he is uh, worth, it's worth doing. And I'm going to make sure to post up on social media uh, where the, um, where to get it. But the, the title of his blog is called Hennessy's view.com Hennessy's view.com and Hennessy is H E N N E S S. S-Y. Hennessy, there's no E after the S's or anything. So Hennessy'sView.com uh, and check it out. It's really, uh, it's, um, it is really good. It's really great. The second blog post is called Why Should We Forgive Those Who Mean Us Harm? And he goes into that. And it's a great argument. So all that is a warm up to also invite you. If you're listening to this uh, segment, what you need to do, what you need to do is pray more. Okay. I want to ask you, if you will, join me, encourage me, pray for me. But try to pray more. What we need to do is pray more. And so I'm going to invite you, as you're listening to this, every Friday at 10 o'clock Central Time from the world headquarters of the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles in St. Louis, Missouri, we lead what's called the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles Prayer for America. And the format is very simple. All are welcome in the spirit of goodwill. Sometimes we have a hundred. Sometimes we have 40. We tend to have more than, uh, more than a few every time. Uh, but if it's two, two or more is all we need. And it's the way I figure it. You get on a phone call. It's not a video call, just a phone call. So you can do it in your car. You can do it from your pajamas. You can do whatever. And at 10 a.m. Central Time, we open with some scripture. We have two guest prayers, prayer participants who will read scripture and then offer a prayer. It's up to them, whatever the spirit does. Then I will read off requests. 
requests. If you have a prayer request, you can send them to me, ed at phyllisschlafly.com, ed at phyllisschlafly.com. And then we close with a prayer. All told, it rarely goes more than 20 minutes, but it's very powerful. And I invite you cordially to join us for the Phyllis Schlafly's, Phyllis Schlafly Eagles Prayer for America. Join us 10 o'clock Central Time each Friday. Be a part of it. If you email me, edithillisschlafly.com or go on social media at Eagle Ed Martin, direct message me. I'll send you the information to call in. And you're very, very welcome. And I believe uh, more opportunities, especially in the coming weeks. Um, you know, a new administration is going to do some things going to feel terrible. I mean, they're going to be terrible, but they're also going to feel terrible on the pro-abortion movement, on some of the uh, uh, the uh, social um, uh, justice uh, movement stuff that'll be really, really challenging uh, for us to take. You know, they're already saying they're going to push for the transgender movement to uh, be allowed in uh, girls' sports, all that stuff. It's going to be disheartening. So, lots you can do, but one thing you should do is pray. So, uh, feel free to be in touch and join us for that. I hope you will. All right, thank you as always to our great uh, technical director Noah produces the show gets everything going joanna for booking guests and you our listeners we will be back tomorrow it's ed martin here on the pro america report thanks for listening this is the pro america report on the answer san diego